Where you stay, I stay. I will follow you. It's a awesome declaration, isn't it? To be able to say, whoa, hello. That was my schoolyard voice. To be able to say that, God, I have my plans, but ultimately my plans don't matter. Because where you go, I want to go. When you stay, I want to stay. I will follow. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we bless your name today, Father God. We thank you. Because you brought us here, Father God. You brought us here, Father. Lord, some of us came willingly. Some of us came not so willingly. But Lord, we came. Speak to our hearts today, Father God. Minister to us today, Father. Let your spirit move. Touch our hearts, Father. Let us not be comfortable, Father God. But let us be attentive to your word and to your call. We ask all of this in your precious and holy name. God's people say, Amen. So, it's been a very jam-packed service, and uh, I praise God. Um, so, I'm going to do something a little unorthodox. I'm going to say, okay, no. Uh, actually, we're not going to release the kids. Uh, if the little ones want to go out, we can have the little ones go out. Uh, but I think the older ones are, are fine. The two, what is it? Thank you. Three to five can, uh, can go out, and then the, uh, the rest of you guys, y'all are mine. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Stephanie. Look at you go. Bye. Excuse me. So, hey, 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 you're, you're not that, that little, are you? Look at him go. So as um, as I've told you before, we have an abridged uh, service, so I'm going to be short, sweet, and to the point. Pray for me, please. Because you all know I don't like to talk, but when God gets a hold of me, good Lord. Um, the text we're going to be looking at is Judges chapter 6 through chapter 8. I'm giving it to you in a broad spectrum because that way I can just hit points and we'll keep moving. Sounds good? So, Judges. Um, what happened? So, we're in the land of... Uh, we're with Israelites and Joshua has gone into the Promised Land taking care of everybody that's in there. <clears throat> and God is on his throne. The Israelites are happy. They have their promised land. Everything is well. 
Joshua dies. Yes. Judges chapter 6 through 8. And then here goes the boomerang. So, everything is fine. Everything is good. But, God sees fit that there needs to be judges brought in. If we turn to the last chapter in Judges, which is chapter 21, verse 25, the verse says this. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit. Everyone did as he saw fit. So during the time when the Israelites were after Joshua, the Israelites went through a, a certain cycle that merited the judges. So we have, uh, they started off with disobedience, which resulted in bondage, which introduced misery. And then God would raise up a judge to call his people back to him. And as usual, they would come back to the Lord. They would repent from their ways And then God would bring deliverance. And then he would give them rest. Which would produce a revival. And everybody was happy in the land again. So in the book of Judges, you'll see this cycle happen seven times. Over a time span of 300 years. And yet, at the end of the book, we see that everybody did as they saw fit. So there's a bunch of judges in there. And I don't know, I know a lot of people say, man, I wish it would have been in Leviticus. That would have been a better book to be in. But uh, maybe not today. Not today. Maybe next time. Uh, but Judges. Judges is right there with them. A lot of people. How many have read the, any portion of the book of Judges? Anybody? Oh, Good. I'm preaching to the choir. You can put your hands down now, Chris. Thanks. Um, so there's a lot of judges. But one of the judges that stood out to me, that has helped me through my life, that has helped me really just, I looked at him and said, that's the one. I like that one. I'm going to pattern after that one. And then as I kept reading, I'm like, uh, maybe not a good pattern. Don't like it. Not too good. Comfort zone. Out of it. Um... Well, let's look at Gideon. Gideon was a farmer who had no desire to be anything other than a farmer. He had no political ambition. And the dream of being a military leader was the last thing on his mind. But as we know, God always has different plans. Amen? Always has different plans. <laughs> there were three, three stages in Gideon's life that we're going to look at. 
We'll try to make it as concise. The first stage we're going to look at is chapter 6, verse 1 through 24. And we see Gideon there, and he's, uh, he's out in the back, hiding somewhere. Uh, he's actually in a wine press, hiding. And threshing some, uh, what does it say? He's threshing some, what is it? I believe some wheat, so that they can eat. Well, first of all, you don't do threshing in a wine press. You just don't. Because you've got to be able to, when you get it and you, you start shucking on it and threshing on it and doing your thing, it, the wind has to take up all the dust and all the stuff that doesn't belong there. And, uh, and it's just a lot easier. So why was he hiding? Well, we were in one of those cycles where the Israelites decided to do their own thing. And they had the Midianites coming after them. Now, the Midianites, what they were doing is they would come in after they had done their harvest or they were doing the growth and everything. They'd come in, take all their food, take all their animals and all their sheep and then leave them without anything and then go up and live their lives. So much so that the Israelites had to be living in caves, cliffs, and the mountainsides. So they tried to be as best farmers that they could. And Gideon was trying to provide for his family so he was hiding trying to make food when an angel of the Lord appeared at Gideon he said Gideon he's like yeah he said God wants to use you in verses 613 this is Gideon's answer to the man of God But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. That's bold. To be able to say that to to the angel of the Lord. Say, why? Why did God do this to us? Why did he leave us alone? Why are we suffering? Gideon, at this point, wasn't a very strong leader. I would say downright he was a coward. He was hiding, knowing full well that God had promised them that land because it was called the promised land. And yet Gideon did not stand up. Nobody did. Gideon was bitter, as you can tell, because he just lashed out. He said, why, why, why? Why this? Why that? He was timid, as we see in verse 15, that says, But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. 
And I am the least in my family. So, getting back to where I started. I am the youngest of four. Um, My closest brother is eight years older than me. Eight or ten, somewhere around there. Eight, thank you. And uh, my my parents, they even told me, and it's funny because they even told me the story. They're like, yeah, we had our house. We had each kid had their room. We were good. We were set. We were planned. And and your dad was called to the ministry. And then you came along. It's okay. You guys can laugh. It's all right. It's true. My dear wife says, your wife, your mother broke you. <laughs> I praise God she did. <laughs> and then they said that. And they, they were like, okay. And so I'm like, cool. That's so, Sorry, I was a little, mm-hmm, you know, there you go. And uh, I remember my mom would tell me, she's like, well, you're the youngest. I don't expect much, much from you. Um, I, I, was, I was one of those kids that my mom would tell me, yes, I know you expect a lot from him, don't you? A lot, Matthew. I was one of those kids that during come summer vacation, the next day my mom was waking me up. She's like, okay, the sun is up. Leave. I'm like, where am I going? She's like, doesn't matter. Leave. When the lights come on, you come back home. Okay. So I did. <laughs> um, thank God. God just kept me in. I was very innocent. I was the kind of kid that would go outside and I'd see a line of ants and I'd stand there and do for about two and a half hours. You can learn a lot from ants. You can. That's a different sermon, though. So as time progressed, I kept hearing that over and over again. I remember they had, they come from a fairly decent sized church and they had a lot of musicians, a lot of musicians. And I thought, wow, that's cool. And I remember my brother went to to Tijuana and he brought back a guitar and it was just one of those show guitars or whatever. And and I remember he'd have it set up and I'd go up and I'd try to play on it. I was like, oh, I can get a little bit of music out of this. I'm like, cool. And they had tryouts once and they called, uh, they they were calling out for uh, a membership of a rondaya, which is about 12 or 13 guitars playing all different things at the same time, but they all came in together at once. And I thought, man, that'd be so cool. I'd want to be part of that. And I went over there and I tried out and I played my little heart out. And the guy says, yes, stop. No. Go serve God somewhere else. He said, he said, do something easier. Go teach. I'm like, hmm, okay. My dad was a, a, a musician as well. Um, he played piano, plays piano, plays very well. And I said, Dad, I want you to teach me how to play the piano. And he's like, okay, come on, son. So we sit down at the piano, and he's like, okay, play this, 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 and this. I'm like, okay. So I started playing. Next thing I know, (laughs) stop. No. And he went a little further. He says, if a rhythm was the, 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 the large side of a barn, you still wouldn't be able to hit it. 
I'm like, oh. But I can play, right? He's like, no. No. And don't sing, please. I've heard you in the shower. Don't sing. I'm like, well then, fine. So my, my sister t- took me in and, and uh, we would teach uh, little kids. I love teaching little kids. Um, big kids are cool too. Adults. I <laughs> so, as time progressed, God kept calling. He says, you know what? I need you. I said, no. Lord, why? These people have told me this. They've told me that. I can't do it. I'm left-handed. How do you play a, le- a right-handed guitar? It just... So fast forward, every single service that I minister at, I am so nervous beforehand because I know, I know for a fact that I cannot play. (laughs) It's true. You guys are thinking like, how could you do that? Yeah, no. Ask, ask any musician. It, what I do is like, huh? When I play the piano, you'll notice I don't play with the hymn book. Because I don't need the notes. It's literally... There's within the song, there's within my heart a melody. Jesus, teach me sweet and low. See, I can't sing either. (laughs) It's all stuff that God has put in there. And every time I take this mic or I take this pulpit, I know for a fact that it is not me. It is all God. Gideon, there's so much more in his life that we can learn. But I want to leave you with this. If you stay, if we stay in our wine press, if we stay hidden away from the world, we will not realize the potential that God has put in us, that God recognizes in us. Each one of us here sitting today, standing today, are a potential powerhouse for God. I only heard one. Let me rephrase that. Each one of y'all, I got to get it right, right? Each one of y'all, you guys are an atomic bomb for Jesus Christ if you do one thing. And that's what Gideon did. Gideon said, All right, Lord, I'm the littlest one. I'm a farmer. I don't know how to lead. And my dad is building idols to to, to Baal, who he shouldn't be doing because he's an Israelite. We know, we believe in one true God. But if you want me to, Lord, if this is what you really want me to do, 
then I will follow. You know, I can stand up here, and, and I know each one of us, because I've done it before, you ha- we have excuses left and right for why we shouldn't serve God. Right? We've done them. We've used them. I don't have patience with little kids. They drive me up the wall. I don't know how to speak to adults. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to do this. I don't know this. I don't know that. I don't know. Great! Then you're perfect for God. It's true. If you don't know, then God will show you. You just got to look at it this way. It's more space for God to fill up with His Holy Spirit. So I can tell you, you need to... um, Give up that bitterness. You need to give up your baggage. You need to give up that hatred. You need to give up that that self-pity. You need to give up that loathing. You need to give up that laziness. You need to give up following your idols. And we do have some, don't we? You think, oh yeah, that alcohol. Drugs. Hey, how about work? Here's one that I struggle with, my family. Yes. Your family, my family can be an idol to me. Anything that is put before God is an idol. Anything. Your dog, Trixie. Good football. I'm sorry, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You know, even, and get this, this is going to be a a, a swinger. Um, Even even that mission that you have in your heart to say, I've got to take the word to these people. Oh, I can't do that. I got to do this. This is my mission. This is what I got to do. That too can be an idol. Because ultimately, what is it about? The minute you start having man take the limelight, take the spotlight, and we take the spotlight off of God, we're focusing in on the wrong thing. So I can tell you, get rid of all of that. Focus on God. Read the Bible. Pray more. Fellowship more. How many times have we heard that? Several times, right? But what's going to make the difference is when you say, Lord, I am here. I am laying my life bare at your feet. And I want you to use me. I like calling that my come to Jesus moment. And we need it. I say we.
you know, as I was going through my notes, there was a portion that I had to wrestle with. And I'm just going to read it straight out of the book, or out of my notes. Um, God can use ordinary people to do ordinary things in a great way. And when I was questioning, I said, well, why ordinary and ordinary? I said, well, because unfortunately the church nowadays has no longer strived for the extraordinary. And I went to the Lord in prayer about it, and I said, wow, have I lost that much faith? So I'm redacting and saying, now you guys got to be with me on this one, all right? We're all together? God can use ordinary people to do the extraordinary things in a great way. You want to serve God? Lay your heart at his feet. You wonder why things are going wrong in your life? Well, lay your heart at his feet. Let's bow. Dear Heavenly Father, what you have prepared for us today is totally your word, Father. It's what we as as your church body needed to listen to, Father God. Even as I spoke, you still ministered to me, Father. Lord, you've made the call. I'm going to take this moment right now and just keep your eyes eyes closed and your head bowed. And I'm not even going to look. This is between you and God, me and God. If in the small, meager message that was brought today, God spoke to your heart. God opened our eyes. I want you to take this time just to say, Lord... Here I am, an ordinary person who doesn't amount to much, Father. But in your hands, Father God, I commend my spirit. And I want you to use me the way you want to use me. I want you to realize the full potential that you put in our hearts. After saying that prayer, head bowed, eyes closed still. I'm doing the same thing. I'm not going to look around. I want you to profess to God and the angels that are watching right now and to those evil spirits that are thinking that they can wait for us outside and just grab a hold of our spirit and crush us down. I want you to put your hand up and say, Lord, I want to follow you, Father God. It is not by my will, it is not by my strength, but by you and you alone, Father. And by putting your hand up today, we are declaring that those giants will fall.
we're declaring that our lives are dedicated to the Lord Jesus and to the furthering of his light. Dear Heavenly Father, you've seen these hands that have gone up. You've seen our hearts, Father God. We're just a small little church, Lord. With you in our mind and in our heart, Lord. With big, big visions and dreams, Father. Lord, help us to to draw closer to you and not do as the Israelites, Father God, and follow that cycle seven times. Help us to do your will, Father. Help us to profess who you are in our lives, Father God. Help us to step out of our wine press and come out of the shadows and stand for you, Father. It is through your strength and through your grace that we call to you, Father. And God's people say, Amen.